Ethics and integrity. Words that most people would put on a pedestal would say are the values that drive their brand, their company, their operations. When it comes to public relations, how does a PR professional or a PR firm handle their own responsibility vis-a-vis clients who have done things that they now need to respond to? There's a public outcry. It may have been a slap, a misdeed, uh, another kind of crisis. And the PR professionals are just as much in the spotlight, if not center stage, they're at least on the platform alongside their client trying to navigate this crisis. It's a bit of a minefield, certainly for the client, uh, but also for the PR pro. Here to talk about this is Abby Fink, Vice President and General Manager of HMA Public Relations, a firm that has outlasted many crises and scandals here in the state of Arizona and the world. Abby, what's on your mind? Well, you know, I was um, visiting the campus in Tucson, University of Arizona. Shout out to all the Wildcats uh, a couple weeks ago and was speaking to their crisis communications class. And, you know, I'm always always enjoy speaking to students. They all have a very interesting perspective on what's happening. And it was right after um, the incident at the Academy Awards. And so they were asking about what, what, what would you do if he was your client? And, you know, how would you handle that? And can he repair his reputation? And it really sparked some really interesting conversation about, you know, the role of a crisis communicator. Uh, and, you know, we talk a lot about planning and preparation and how to manage those things. But there are always going to be opportunities that you can't plan for. And, you know, what decision making, this was the kind of the questions the students were asking, what what decision making are you going through when someone comes to you and says, we need your help? Can you help us? And so I thought that might be kind of an interesting conversation for you and I to have, you know, that that what what we think about as we, you know, make the decision if we're going to take on a particular client, we strongly believe that they all have an opportunity and should be represented by a communications professional but not every situation is the right situation or and we may not be the right firm for every situation. And so um, really good questions, really smart students um, and really kind of challenged me. So um, so I thought since they, they did, I can kind of share where, where we headed with those conversations. I'm very interested in your thoughts on this topic because, you know, I don't work in public relations. I've worked with lots of PR professionals and I have had clients in a business context as a marketing consultant and strategist where I have come to realize that I'm no longer able to continue working with that client because there is a misalignment in values or things of that nature. And it's always a bit of a wrenching decision, not only because to fire a client means to give up the revenue, but also because I, I'm torn. Uh, and this parallels for me some conversations I've had, although certainly the stakes are very different, with friends who have worked as public defenders, where they believe very much, as you said about PR, that everyone deserves adequate representation and that for the justice system to deliver justice as opposed to injustice, that there must be a legal expertise available to everyone to mount a case to defend themselves against the charges. And when the person is, in fact, found guilty of those charges, 
the public defender, the defense attorney can still feel that she or he has done the right thing by at least under the law presenting the case to the best of their ability. But there's a lot of murkiness here. There's a lot of ethical and personal quandaries here. So let's let's dig into this. Have you ever fired a client uh, for something like a, a breach of responsibility or a break in trust or things of that nature, um, which is different than fire, you know, firing a client just because things got hot for the client? What has been your experience? What's been my experience is, is kind of a, all of those things all wrapped up into one. So let me take one step backwards and that, you know, the, the conversations that happen, and I suspect they are similar between a client um, and their attorney as they are with a, uh, a public relations professional in terms of, you know, what we learn in those early conversations, if a, if a crisis is occurring or a situation has happened, is we we you know, this, we need to create this cone of silence and this level of confidentiality that you can share with us, knowing that we are listening to the information um, in order to evaluate the options that we have and, and to as quickly as we possibly can determine if we believe that we can help you through this particular situation. And so, you know, one of the first conversations that we have when, you know, we get that phone call, we're in, a, we, we need crisis help. Can you help us? Is sort of set that stage, right? That this is what's going to happen. I want you to understand that this is how I hear the information from you. And in this very short period of time, I want you to share with me what the circumstances are so that I can make the decision if it's a good fit for us. And, and there's a couple things that will come into that. You know, it's, it's, you know, is it a good fit as in, do I have any experience in this particular area? Do I have a conflict? You know, I might already have a client that might be in the same space, maybe not facing an issue or a crisis, but in the same space. Do I have the bandwidth on my team at that moment? Because crises always occur when, you know, they're not a, an eight to five Monday through Friday thing. So you've got to kind of manage the time expectation. If we can get through all those things and come to the place that says, yes, we think we can, you know, we want to pursue this. Uh, we set some ground rules with, with those conversations so that they feel comfortable about sharing with what's happening. We, we offer high level recommendations because obviously what we have to offer during these circumstances is our intellectual property, our, our brain power. Um, but one of the first things that we share is we are not going to hide from this difficult conversation. So we, if we come on board with you, you have to know that we are going to advise you to answer questions from the media. We are going to advise you to have a positioning statement that may be shared on social media platforms or on other digital space. We are going to advise you to have an internal communication strategy and doesn't mean big public announcements all the time, but there needs to be communication with the stakeholders. If you are comfortable that that's the approach that we're going to take, then we can continue. If you would prefer someone that is, you know, going to not advise those things, then we're probably not a good fit. So if we can get past those particulars in the beginning, we are more likely to be able to have a successful working relationship and get to the point where we are able to help and, and work them through that. If at any point along the way that things change, our, the dynamic of the relationship gets altered, we are not able to advise in the way that we have set forth 
um, then it is time to to part ways. And and I think it's it's not as dramatic sounding as we fired a client. It's more about um, we are no longer able to provide the kind of counsel that you are requiring. And so we're going to step aside and, and hopefully we have the ability to, you know, refer them out to someone else. And in my many, many years of doing crisis work, um, we, we have declined to work with clients before for a lot of those reasons, but we have never had to fire a client or, or stop working on behalf of a client because we ended up with a conflict in terms of the way that we were, were providing the service. And I think a lot of that has to do with that initial understanding of where we're at. Yeah, I think it's an interesting insight. And certainly as a parent, I can kind of relate to this, although the service professional client relationship is not a parenting one. It would be dysfunctional if it was. But I think about what I want from my own kids. It's less about whether or not they did something wrong and more about what they're willing to do to make it right. And we all make mistakes. Um, We all are human. And I think sometimes, especially when people are a a certain stature of uh, notoriety, celebrity, what have you, we don't give them the same grace that we would want to give a close friend who's made a mistake. Having said that, there's no excuse for a lot of the bad behavior that we have seen and continue to see. And reputations are funny, fickle things. You know, you started by saying the students were wondering, could Will Smith, for example, repair his reputation with the Academy? We can talk about that specific example or not. But it's interesting that in the moment that that event happened, sitting in the room was Mel Gibson, who had a very, very public display of absolutely unacceptable anti-Semitic tirades. And yet here he is back in the room. The same Academy had given a Lifetime Achievement Award to Rowan Polanski, who, if you don't know what he's been accused of, you ought to go find out. Then the following weekend at the Grammys, Louis C.K., who you know had a huge impact for his own sexual misconduct, won the award for Best comedy special. So clearly reputation. And I guess we should and could get into some of the nuances of, well, who's allowed to make a comeback and who's not? What are the characteristics or qualities of people that have society give them a free pass or, or at least at some point be willing to forgive? Some things may be more unforgivable than others, depending on who you are. So I don't know. It's an interesting thing. You're saying it sounds like That as a professional, you're trying to make a measured decision based on the quality of the work you can do for the client. And there's something that you haven't quite nailed down about whether or not you think they're kind of their heads in the right place, their hearts in the right place. Can you say more about specifically what would be warning signs to you having been in this game a long time? Well, you said it. I mean, you're right. This is not a parenting relationship, but that, but that answer that you gave is exactly right on. There is a, there needs to be a willingness and an acceptance that what you are dealing with is not appropriate. Let, let wherever that is, you know, whatever the level of appropriateness that we're going to measure against, and that you are willing to rectify the situation and 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 stand by the changes that you're about to make. So I've been asked the question, 
in a variety of different settings when when a and it's typically a celebrity or, a you know, c- can they repair their reputation? And the answer is yes, they can, but they have to be sincere and willing to do the work to change the sort of immediate response that we all have had. And I think some of the the examples that you've given are over time, we have either forgotten or allowed it to just be in the past, or they've demonstrated to us that who they were before is not who they are today. Now we have a different, you know, from a, a different society now than we lived in before in terms of access to information, instantaneous you know, it, we things that have happened, we we know the minute they happen. And so it takes a little bit more to be able to do that. But, you know, I, I, I say a lot of times I rely on my gut instinct within those early conversations. If that if and a lot of it is how they approach even that initial phone call about, you know, what they're calling me to help them with and hopefully the fact that they are calling means they recognize they need to do something about this and that they're, you know, and and this is my advice. This is how I'm going to do it. And of course, the level of crisis is impacted by the business itself. I mean, what's a crisis to one is not a crisis to another. And when managed correctly, and we talked a little bit about this when we had um, John Goldberg on the, the, podcast with us a couple of weeks ago, you know, you, you, it takes forever to build a reputation and seconds to destroy it. What have you done to help build that reputation so that you have the ability to try to get that back? And so this is a lot of where it comes in, in those conversations is what are we doing and what are, what are you as the individual needing assistance willing to do to make this right? And are you sincere and will you be able to sustain that activity? You know, I don't want you to just you know, if I don't want you to write a check to make yourself feel better and say, that's how I fixed the problem. You, you need to do something. You need a full scale change in the way that we're doing things or how we are going to address it. What are the system, you know, systemic things we're doing in order to fix the circumstances. And one of the, you know, just because we're talking about having, you know, a public relations practitioner on your team doesn't mean that we are there to, you know, to a publicly announce all these things or the other side, which is shut it all down. It's a combination of things. There are times when being public and discussing it is appropriate. And there are other times where a conversation needs to happen that's, uh, you know, that's, we aren't putting this out in the press. And I think what happens is the reputation of the people you hire to bring around you to help you through this helps those conversations come forth, right? I can pick up the phone and call a reporter who I've had a relationship with and worked with and said, can you give me the benefit of some time here to deal with the situation so that when I do have the ability to talk to you, it is valuable information because I'm not going to allow a client to respond on the fly, especially in the midst of a, of a potential crisis. So relationships and, and sort of building up that equity over time gives us the benefit regardless of the type of client that we're talking about. We've touched on this in a number of episodes on the podcast. We went deep into apologies uh, in an early episode. Uh, I thought it was quite a good one. Folks, <laughs> it's quite relevant now as well if someone wants to go back and, and check it out. But when you are advising somebody who admits that they have done wrong, they have harmed 
others or the environment or what have you. They've, they've made mistakes. There are consequences. There is an impact. And they want to apologize. They want to make it right. This is a very tricky and delicate thing because we have seen apologies that fell absolutely flat. They were wooden. They were clearly uh, going through the motions. Uh, I'm not going to name any names, but a certain uh, world-class golfer comes to mind. And then there's apologies that seem to be heartfelt, own the, the problem, take responsibility for it, communicate that in a way that touches us. And sometimes I wonder, is that just a function of either the individual's own charisma and ability to deliver a difficult message? Is it a function of their uh, PR team's ability to craft the right kind of statement? Is it something else altogether? Uh, How would you advise a client to deliver the kind of apology that makes a meaningful difference in a difficult situation? Do you agree that we all, to some extent, can kind of have our BS meter up when we see something or we, you know, we know that that's not, they're not being sincere. They're just saying the words, right? We kind of all have this sort of instinct about what we're hearing. And I think the, there, there are so many nuances that go into that apology and that, that I am admitting X, Y, and Z, and this is what I'm doing. And it, and it's, again, it's, you put people around you that can help you guide you through those situations that are much more objective I can look at that circumstance much differently than the person that's in it, right? I can come to it from an outside view and, and you know, ask the difficult questions. How did we get here? Why are we here? What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it next week? What are we going to do about it a year from now? And have the, you know, the confidence that I will, t- and that I will tell you, no, if I don't agree with what you're doing, again, from the very beginning, I'm going to tell you those are the things you should expect to hear from me. I think as a society, in general, we want to forgive. You know, we we want to see improvement. We want to see the good. We want to see a change in in behavior and outcome. And but we are very very aware when we are being hoodwinked in that scenario. We we can see right through it. And so the the sincerity of the act is so critically important. And oftentimes, again, it's not about being public. It's about your actions. I mean, I can say, you know, we are going to give a million dollars to an environmental organization to make up for the oil spill that we did. And we're this and we're this and we're this and we're this. And if we go right back to business as usual, we have not resolved that particular issue. If we make full, you know, scale changes and we do some different things, we, because it becomes a we, the organization make some changes, I think you start to see a acceptance of we messed up, we're fixing it, this is what we're doing, and this is how we are going to do everything we can to prevent it from happening again. I I expect that if you are smart enough to bring on a crisis communicator because you've identified and recognized that this is bigger than what you want to handle yourself, that you are smart enough and wise enough to allow that counsel to take place and let the people that you brought in on your team help guide you through those circumstances. And really a crisis communications team is more than just your PR professionals. You know, it may be your attorneys, it may be your other members of your 
executive leadership team, nonprofits, it could be your boards of directors and such. There's other people that might come in and advise on that. And we all likely have very different views because of the the lens we're seeing it through. But, um, you know, there are, there's value in bringing all those people together to help, you know, guide you during those circumstances. And again, there will be, there will be times where it's a, it's difficult and you might not want to do it and you may not see the benefit of it, but the knowledge and expertise that these advisors have brought to the table should be what help, you know, you should trust that what they are doing comes from experience and that they are guiding you in the right way. Let's talk about that experience for a minute. The Public Relations Society of America has a code of ethics. Like most professional associations, bodies guiding the work of their members, informing it anyway, because there's rarely a disciplinary function except in certain licensed professions. But these codes of ethics, well, good and accurate, talk about things like honesty, open communication, things of that nature, but there's situational nuances that you can probably only develop through experience. The scenario that you started this episode with, talking about students, asking you questions, is one place where junior members, future potentially future members of the profession, are getting insights from a seasoned pro and trying to understand what would I do in this situation. But so often, the abstract the hypothetical doesn't cut it because you're now in this situation where the emotional entanglements are very different, where the financial entanglements are very different. And navigating that and keeping true to yourself becomes very difficult. Speaking for yourself, over your 35-ish year career in the field, how have you learned these things? What situations, what mentorship, what challenges helped shape what you're now bringing to these conversations? Well, you know, I don't know that I ever set out to necessarily have an expertise in crisis communications. You know, I, I it, it happened upon me. And so, you know, I, okay, this is, this is intriguing. Um, I, you know, I rely, and I, I believe this was even in those earlier days when I, when I was first doing the work, I rely on what I know to be right and wrong and those things that, you know, I know instinctively are the right thing or the wrong thing. And it's not about you did something wrong. I can't help you. It's about what we're going to do about that. And so a lot of it truly is sort of gut instinct and how those conversations happen. And I want at the end of the day, I want to be able to stand next to that client and and stand there and be able to be comfortable that what we are doing on this particular instance is the right thing to do at the time. And it may be different in a, in a week and we might look back and wish we'd have done something different. But in this moment, I can stand there side by side with you and know that we're doing the right thing. If I can't do that, we don't get anywhere close to being able to work with them. So I really have to feel like we are we are lockstep in this conversation that we can work together. Will we argue? Will we debate? Will we come up with different scenarios? I hope so, because that makes the means that the client's involved in the scenario, you know, in, in the dis- uh, decision making as well. But I would rather walk away knowing that we did what we needed to do. We set, we kept our 
reputation, our integrity, our business practices front and center and say, you know what? We are not a good fit. You deserve counsel. We are just not the right place for that to be. And I would rather do that than go down the path that I somewhat have to compromise my own belief system in order to do that. And I believe, and this might be my um, my rose-colored glasses a bit, but I believe that in the long run, the client would rather hear that at that stage of the game than let us go down, you know, it, down a few weeks into the scenario and then have me say, you know what, this isn't really my thing anymore. I mean, then then I have damaged my credibility um, right alongside of providing them not the best service if I was never 100% into it. And th- at the end of the day, as a communications professional, all we really have is our reputation and the knowledge that we bring based on experience. And if at any point we feel that's being compromised, then it's not a good fit. And it's, I think it's okay to say that. I think it's okay to acknowledge that the relationship is not one that's going to be a good fit. And, and I, it's important for me to say that that's not just crisis work. I mean, that same conversation happens on any kind of client that comes our way, whether that, you know, they're opening up a new business or they're, you know, just your average, um, you know, kind of ongoing regular work. If we are not in line with that kind of business, or we somehow feel like it is not a good fit for us, that's the time to have those conversations. And there's nothing wrong with that. Not every PR firm is a good fit for every client that's out there. You know, it's certainly difficult in an age of increasing polarization, the collapse of civil conversations in the public sphere, the rise of, as we've talked about, distrust of institutions, governments, nonprofits, the media. It's hard for those of us who have convictions and causes that we are committed to, that we see being attacked, to make these decisions on the basis of our professional code rather than our personal preferences. There are certainly times when there's clients that I might not think are a good fit that I have to ask myself, why is that really? Is that because we have a difference of opinion about politics or religion or global warming or whatever? Or is it something more substantive? And I will have to say that I think the times when I've decided to end a relationship, it was usually after talking myself rightly or wrongly, talking myself into keeping it going longer than I probably should have for what I'm not always sure were the right reasons. Either I didn't want to rock the boat or upset somebody, or I really thought maybe it is me. I could do a better job. I need to work harder, you know, to get this done. Usually though, the breaking point came when I realized that there is an uncrossable chasm at some level either some operational issue that had not been disclosed. And I realized I'm not going to be able to fix that. That's on the business owner. And as much as I try to help, no amount of marketing can fix a broken operational system. It just makes it worse. It just exposes it. Or when I realized that the agreements that we had, despite our differences, were in fact being broken. And that what we had agreed to up front 
was not in fact the way that they were carrying out their side of the of the of the thing sometimes that's not in the core area of our work which makes it especially more difficult you know just because i see a client post some crazy thing on twitter doesn't mean i have the right to go out and fire that person unless maybe it crosses a line so again ambiguity let's end with this how do you you mentioned staying true to yourself and your own values your your business's mission clarity of vision etc how do you do that as the world burns, as the ambiguity increases, as there's more and more anger and vitriol, does it get easier or harder under those circumstances? You packed a lot into that question. That's my unique superpower, by the way. Yes. So here's the thing. If you are doing your job correctly, you bring yourself into the job. So you bring the things that matter to you and you have to decide along the way what you are willing to do and, uh, and where that line is that you're willing to cross. And so, you know, there are, there are lots of businesses and organizations that are just not going to be a good fit for the makeup of your firm. You know, it, it, and it, it, it has, it's all sorts of things. It could be, you know, faith-based, it could be other cultural, it could be, um, political. I mean, there's all sorts of things that say they are not a good fit. It's uh, it's not right or wrong. It's just, they are not a good fit. And, and I truly believe we know those things from the very beginning and we're willing to work around it. And then that's usually where the conflicts happen, as opposed to saying, I just don't feel this is a good fit for us. And I don't, there's no harm in that. And honestly, the client wants you to tell them that they're investing in you, right? They are giving you their hard earned dollars to, they have come to you for assistance. They want to know that you're a hundred percent in on whatever this is. And if you're not, then you are not doing a service to that client and it really isn't an appropriate business relationship. And so I think for me, and and we talk a lot about this as a, as a team as well, when we are evaluating, and again, outside of the crisis work, but when we're evaluating whether or not we want to take on a client, so much goes into those discussions about what do we know about them? What do we know about the people? Do we think we can do a good job for them? It, are they going to give us the time and the resources we need? Are they invested in their success so that we can be successful for them? And are they, are we comfortable being able to say no to them when they come to us with something? And and will they respect that no as the, in the same way that they will respect the, yes, that's a fantastic idea. And you know, I had a conversation with a client earlier that, you know, we, we had a, we were, we have a budget. We are trying to figure out how to make this budget work and the numbers are not aligning um, where we want them to be. So it's like, well, we have to rethink this project then because we can't put this together in the same way that we thought when we had a little bit more money to work with. We can still do it. We still want to do it. We just have to rethink think differently. And to me, that conversation sets the tone for how that relationship will work and how we will be able to move forward with it. And at the end of the day, as the you know communications counselor and the advisor to our clients, the only way we are successful is when we, as that professional, feel good about the work that we're doing. And then what we are bringing to our client is smart and clear and well thought out advice, recommendations, strategy and implementation. And if at any point along the way, that's not there, then we have to walk away from it. And when you do that, 
your reputation is intact, your integrity is intact, your ethics haven't been compromised, and you walk away saying, I did absolutely the right thing to do. And I'm, I will be around to do another client at another time because this is not the right fit for me. In the same way that you know exactly when it's the right fit, all the bells and whistles go off when you, when you make that connection. And the same thing, you stand there proud of the work that you're doing and there is no compromise and there is no questioning of your ethics or your integrity when you know you're headed in the right direction. 